This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. Typically, Brianne and I would be co-hosting these episodes and we've really enjoyed our journey thus far, both talking about the pandemic and individuals and groups experiences in the pandemic, what parents and educators and leaders have done to to manage and navigate this pandemic, and also lessons that they've learned about building community connections and belonging. This week, I'm very excited to introduce, and I think you might remember, um, Dr. Rebecca Chisholm actually hosted a podcast for us last fall, and this time I'm thrilled she is talking with Miss Risa Perlman, who is a mental health expert and practitioner in Maryland, and I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Miss Perlman offers a lot of wisdom around healing after a pandemic and even sort of taking care of ourselves during the pandemic. She talks about the importance of eating, sleeping, moving, and getting outside and and how critical those four things are to everyday life and sort of managing these incredibly stressful times. So um, I want to thank Dr. Rebecca Chisholm and Ms. Perlman for joining us on Tell Me This, and a special thank you to Rebecca for taking the lead in hosting, and I know our audience is going to enjoy it. So sit back and relax if you're at home, if you're out running, sort of buckle in for a a great uh, conversation, um, and enjoy the rest. All right, here it is. Thanks. I am so thrilled and so grateful um, for this opportunity to speak with you tonight. I know I'm excited to hear from you, um, your perspective uh, as a mental health professional and a parent um, about this concept of belonging and, you know, this move as we move towards healing in this new year. Sure. So, so before we get started, I would love for you to share a bit about your amazing self with our audience. Thank you. Um, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Risa Perlman. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in Maryland uh, and, a, and a certified um, board certified uh, supervisor. Um, I 
worked in um, schools for 13 years doing school mental health, and so seeing kids for outpatient therapy in the school setting. And um, currently, I have a private practice where I see children, teens, and families um, for outpatient mental health services, uh, which I love. And I use a um, cognitive behavioral therapy and family systems approach in my work. So thinking about the whole family unit and then how we think and how our thoughts affect our behaviors. So interesting. Well, I'm excited to hear hear more about that this, this evening. So I just want to start with, you know, a more personal question, which is how have you and your your family been holding up during this this time, this pandemic? Yeah, we've been doing okay. There have been ups and downs. <laughs> yes, like, as with all of us, I'm sure. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, we've certainly had moments of feeling like I can't, I don't know, I can do this anymore, right? And we've had moments that are really beautiful and connected. And, you know, one of the things that really strikes me is that we're together all the time. My child is going to school from home. I am working from home. And like in that, what it means is that we have lots of connection, but we also have lots of moments of figuring out how to take space too. Sure. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, we're okay and we're safe and we're healthy and I'm able to work, which is a blessing. And you know, my daughter's able to go to school. And so we'll just like figure it out. Yeah. I think a lot of us have those, um, those moments where we're just like, ah, what do we do? You know? Um, and I definitely agree that just bringing ourselves back to we're safe, we're healthy. Mm -hmm. um, but what strategies do you use when you do get to that moment? Like we can't do it anymore. Do you find that something works really well for you and your family? Um, you know, the, I, I think a lot about practicing what I preach, so to speak. Um, and this idea that like, I need to go back. I think about and talk all the time about these sort of four fundamentals of mental health, food, sleep, moving and getting outside. And that if we're not doing those four like really basic things like eating well enough, sleeping enough, moving our bodies and getting outside, mm. it's, uh, we're, we're not gonna feel okay. Mm. And so for me, again, it's about what I tell everybody else, which is like, I need to make sure I'm eating well-balanced foods and that I'm feeding my body and that I'm moving my body and that I'm getting enough sleep at night. Um, and, you know, I, I just constantly kind of go back to that. Yeah. Um, and then the piece of like connection and asking for help and knowing it's okay to take space and those things, right? The more, you know, that's been the hardest thing in this time. I think for everybody has been, you know, how do we get help when we can't be with people? Yeah, that's, that's gotta be tough for everyone, I think. Do yeah. you... Do you think that one of those fundamentals has been particularly hard for everyone or do you find that it varies among, among many families? I feel like it ebbs and flows. I think that one of the pieces that strikes me consistently is the getting outside piece. Yeah. Because for many of us who are working from home and going to school from home, there's no reason to. Yeah. And so you have to work really hard at it. <laughs> um, I'm sure, yeah. And the piece that strikes me for parents a lot of time is sleep in that, uh, well, with younger kids, right, there's sort of the waking piece. But um, for so many parents, the only alone time is after your kids go to bed. Hmm. And if you extend that, you get more alone time, but, but then you get less sleep. <laughs> and so it's this sort of cycle of how do you, what need is the priority at that moment? 
Yeah, that's a great point. I, I can see exactly where you're going with that. As a parent myself, uh, you're always kind of really looking forward to that alone time at night, but, but you know that um, you'll be awfully tired in the morning if you stay up to read the book or, you know, just mentally decompress a bit. Yes. Yeah. Go to bed. Balance, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's the hardest part. It is. It is. So, so let's talk a little bit about belonging. I know that um, we talked a little bit about that, but I wanted to begin by just hearing about what belonging means to you. Yeah. So I, I looked it up because that's what I do. And I often feel like there are words in my world that I know what they mean, but I couldn't tell you the definition. I can use them. I can place them. And so I looked it up and the, the definition that sat with me is rightfully placed. Mm. And I was thinking about that. And then I started to think about the idea of belonging and being rightfully placed and how that's true internally and externally. And so like being rightfully placed, like where do you find the rightful place within yourself, feeling connected and balanced? Mm -hmm. And then where do you feel it externally in terms of belonging, in terms of connection and community? Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of where I was thinking about belonging. And then I was, I, I learned so much from my clients. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about how kids in latency, so that elementary school age, mm -hmm. their belonging is with their um, primary caregivers, okay. right? There's that connection and attachment and like their everything is their primary caregivers. They actually don't see themselves separate from that. Okay. So belonging is connection with your primary caregivers. And then when you turn into adolescence, your connection is with your peers mm. and how much you need community in that way. And so I was thinking about belonging in terms of family and community and friends and yeah. Where's your place in the world? Yeah. So do you think for our, for our younger students, I guess, or our, our kids, yep. what type of belonging do you think is more difficult right now? Is it this, this internal belonging or, or the external belonging? That's a really good question. I think for the little ones, a lot of it has to do with what is your place and where do you feel good about something? Hmm. A lot of our kids can go to school and have a space that is separate, but there is no separation. And so how do you find the thing you feel good at and the thing you're confident in and the thing you can sort of navigate on your own mm -hmm. within yeah. this time? Yeah, I'm definitely thinking about our youngest learners and that even uh, their experiences are, have been so limited this year. They don't even have much to compare in terms mm -hmm. of this external belonging uh, other than, you know, their homes, their yep. computers, their yards. Um, many of us have, have really limited their outings, you know, mm -hmm. as just to be safe. Um, sure. I can imagine that's pretty, pretty difficult for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you think this concept of both, you know, internal and external belonging has changed like your own concept from pre-pandemic or even just beginning of pandemic to now? Yeah, I think all of our realities have shifted in, in this way, but it looks different for everyone. What stru has struck me so much is the evolution of people, their sense of self and belonging over the course of the pandemic. I know I'll speak for myself. At the beginning, it was like survival mode right? It was like, yeah, I'm going to see all the clients I can see. I'm going to make sure I'm connecting with everyone I can because everyone's struggling mm -hmm. and I'm just going to do the best I can to be a mom. And like, 
-hmm. And you can only maintain that level of intensity for a certain period of time. And Brene Brown talked about this, how there's sort of these cycles through this pandemic of, do you know Brene Brown's work? No. Can she's you, can a, you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, she's a researcher out of Texas who studies um, vulnerability uh, and what that means kind of, she's amazing and she's, she's um, daring to lead, I believe is hers. And she's okay. just, she's, her podcast, Unlocking Us, has been was really a guide for me at the beginning. Awesome. I will definitely Um, have to tune in. She's fantastic. But, you know, this idea that there's cycles, right? And, like, for about six weeks, we were all, like, just doing it. Intense. (laughs) And then six weeks hit, and we were all, like, wait a second. Something's got to (laughs) shift. Yeah. We can't keep this up. And so then um, there was, you know, there's, like, that balance in how do we – how do we release some of the expectations? How do we prioritize? Mm-hmm. And how do we kind of keep this going in a way that's more sustainable? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I think that's continued to evolve. I know it has for me. Yeah. Um, what, what strategies have you found successful in, in maintaining that balance or not letting that intensity cycle last too long? Sure. I think some of it is going back to what has worked in the past. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed with my teens, all my teens who had, that I work with who had struggled with depression mm-hmm. started to go, as soon as the pandemic hit, sleeping mm-hmm. all day, up all night, not doing their schoolwork, kind of these old patterns mm-hmm. that were really maladaptive and didn't work. And then about four weeks into it, three to four weeks into it, mm-hmm. everyone, like clockwork, it's amazing when this happens, looked at me and said, I, I can't do this anymore. It's not working. Yeah. And I was like, what, what is this week, right? What's happening here? But what they were able to realize was that their old pattern didn't work, but we had taught, I had taught them things. We, they had worked on things that did work mm-hmm. and they needed to find them again. Mm-hmm. And so it's this idea of you, if you have strategies that work for you, you've got to go back to them. Yeah. And are you suggesting changing them to adapt to the current current times, I guess? I think for some people, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I think a lot about like people who, um, for instance, m- move their bodies in a community better than on their own. So gyms and yoga classes, right? Yeah. There has to be adaptation there because mm-hmm. that hasn't been safe in the same way for many people. And sure. um, so the way you do it does, but I think at the end of the day, looking to what has worked, what helped you get through in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, finding balance. Yeah. And that's been so true for me that, that the intensity of the beginning was unsustainable. And so I had to figure out how to balance. And I did that in June and I did it again in August to September. And then I did it again around the holidays just six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. four to six weeks ago just trying to kind of figure out where the balance has to be and what skills are working and what's not yeah that, that's a great point because I think I I keep going back to pre-pandemic life and uh you know every every couple of weeks trying to just fit it in right now and I think accepting that there is just a new normal and that mm-hmm. new normal does change every month you know right now and yep. Being open to the fact that we need to change maybe ourselves, our families, uh, to make it work 
for, mm-hmm. for everyone, you know, yeah. both on the inside, like you said, and externally with our peers and our work. Yeah. And I think it's going to continue to shift mm-hmm. as more people get the vaccine and what will safety mean to that person and what will safety mean to someone else. And as you know, the thing I think about most what's coming next is how are people going to adapt to going back to social engagements? Because for a year, we felt scared of it. And even people who don't struggle with anxiety or social anxiety mm-hmm. have anxiety about engaging with others now. Yeah. And so what does it look like to re-enter after that? And I don't think we know, but I think we have to watch it carefully. I agree. And, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking about that today. Again, you know, just going back to our youngest learners, I'm probably just thinking about that because we were talking about our kids, but, you know, uh, children who really were just learning how to be social, especially in pre-kindergarten and kindergarten, missed this opportunity or, you know, had really limited opportunity in learning those skills this year. So, you know, what is that going to look like when all of these students are, are essentially delayed in learning how to socialize, you know, because we can, we have a, I guess we remember what it was like mm-hmm. pre-pandemic and we have those social skills, but I'm interested to, to think about what it will look like in teaching them at a later time you know, in life and is it going to look different? You know, are they, are we going to have four and five-year-olds running up and hugging each other, you know, or is it just going to be different when we greet each other right now? So, um, and how does that affect our mental health? You know, that, Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So, so in thinking about these challenges and this, this concept of belonging, I know you've shared a few, Um, Can you pick one particular challenge you've experienced and how you either overcame it or are in the process of overcoming it um, and just share a bit about what you've learned from this experience? Sure. I go back to the idea of uh, just sort of working too much and balance and how do I refine balance at every turn. And, you know, I am inclined to give of myself. It's sort of par, often par for the course for the work that I do yeah. and just kind of who I am. And, and I think it fuels me in many ways, but, you know, again, I have to back off and figure out what I need to fuel myself. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's very primal in some way, right? We can't give more than we we can't give more than we take. We can't do more for others than we do for ourselves. And if we do, we are out of balance and exhausted and it's not, it's not good for us. Right. And so for me, it's been about saying no, it's been about, you know, readjusting my schedule to see fewer clients so that I'm better for the people I see and, you know, making sure I have the space. I adjusted my schedule so that um, I take a break every day during my daughter's lunchtime. Okay. Yeah. So I see clients in the morning. I see clients in the afternoon. We have about an hour, hour and a half, depending on the day, in between together, mm-hmm. because she needs that and I need that, and um, we can't. I can't pretend we're existing in different worlds, mm-hmm. like I sometimes do. I think when she's at school, <laughs> right? Like I send her off. I go to my office. We exist in these worlds. If she needs me, they'll get me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't exist now. And so there's a balancing in that. Yeah. How when you do find that time to I guess, you know, bring your worlds together, 
in the middle of the day, what do you um, find is, is the best use of that time for us? I guess that would be more of a, a parenting question, but I would love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, I find for us in our house, mm -hmm. we eat lunch together and we play games and we have always played games during meals mm -hmm. um, for a variety of reasons. One, it's connecting. Two, it doesn't require an enormous amount of thought or conversation, which I think sometimes we're all exhausted from. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we sit down, I make us lunch, and then we sit down and we play Uno, or we play Sorry, or we play Trouble, and it's just about spending the quality time without the need to go deep, mm. which I spend kind of all day doing. Sure, and I guess, um, thinking back to what you were saying about belonging, I'm sure mm -hmm. that strengthens your daughter's sense of belonging as well. Just, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can imagine having that in-person interaction that is mm -hmm. focused and you know has a goal um, mm -hmm. is probably so good just to break up the day mm -hmm. and remember yeah. that you know we can interact um, not not on the screen all the time. So right. I'm sure she's yeah. experiencing right now. The other thing we try and do is go out for a walk, mm -hmm. and so on the days we have a little bit more time, we eat. And then we go for a walk around the neighborhood for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or a half hour, however long we have. Mm -hmm. And it's just nice to move and get outside and, and talk. And we can kind of chat as we walk, mm -hmm. um, which has been, a, again, a really nice way to break up the day. Because if I don't do that, I find it's five o'clock and I haven't gotten outside and I haven't moved and then I don't feel good. And it's that cycle again. Yeah. Do you think that it sounds like you've gotten into a pretty good rhythm, you know, being at home together, but not together um, with her being at school and you, you working. How do you think um, transitioning back to uh, what we used to think of as normal, what will be the new normal, her in school, yep. um, you, you potentially meeting with clients uh, uh, in, in person. Mm -hmm. And how do you think that will go? Do you have any prediction or some strategies that you're planning to use? I think it's going to be a rocky transition and then we'll all be okay. And I think that's true for my house. And I think it's true for everybody's house. I don't foresee anyone going, that went so smoothly. There were no <laughs> issues at all. Yeah. Because it's just been, it's been too much of the security and not being with other people. But, you know, I, you know, my daughter started a new school during this too, which added a whole nother wrench in things. Wow. And that's so, right. um, you know, she's connecting with people she's never met before in person and a couple of people she has. And so, mm -hmm. you know, what will it mean for her to go and meet new people and deal with the social implications of being the new kid, but also knowing these people we're going to see. Yeah. <laughs> Yet to be determined, right? <laughs> it's not, there's no way that the reintegration is going to be simple and seamless mm -hmm. just because of the amount of time we've been out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm interested, I, I mean, and excited and nervous um, to see, yeah. you know, how this spring goes. You know, I think, um, I don't know if you've been optimistic. Sometimes I catch myself being overly optimistic um, about, about how, how well things are going. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think, gosh, you know, let's take a step back. Like, how are we going to deal with this transition back to or forwards to what might happen <laughs> mm -hmm. in, in the spring or summer. Yeah. yeah. 
So, so when thinking about that particular challenge, um, what are just maybe one or two takeaways you had from last year, especially maybe like later last year um, in the fall, what, what stood out to you the most? So one thing that stood out to me was the importance of learning from everyone that I connect with. Mm. And I think I try to remember that, but um, there's been so many mom aha moments for me with my clients and with yeah. the parents that I work with and the kids that I work with of, mm. oh, right, like you're doing it that way and that's awesome or this worked for you or this didn't work for you or this is where you struggled and this is where you found success. And, you know, I was really just kind of brought back to the basics of like learn from everyone around you, listen, feel, and be. Which felt really powerful and important. Um, and then the other piece was just kind of practicing what I preach, which I talked about before. Sure. And that, like, it is easy as a mental health therapist to be with my clients and recommend all these things and then not feel like I have the time or energy to practice them. And that doesn't work. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have like one aha moment where you were just like, I really, I can learn from so many people around me or, you know, I need to practice with what I, what I preach or was it more of a gradual learning process throughout the fall? I think both. I think it's been a gradual learning process. I watch patterns. That's what I do professionally. I do a lot of family work, a lot of family systems work where I'm understanding how the family functions with each other. Okay. And then how those functionings, if we tweak one small piece, how other people move with them. And so when I watch patterns, I can find commonalities amongst families that I will often bring back. Mm. Parents who are over-involved or under-involved or um, over-identifying or under-identifying with their kids, mm. right? So under-identifying looks like a lack of empathy and over-identifying uh, looks like my kid and I are exactly the same. Mm. Yeah. And so as I watch these kind of patterns, things pop up, right? Which is, I think, one of the things I've noticed a lot of that's really resonated with me is a lack of empathy. Mm. So my kid is now going to, not mine, but in general, like my yeah. kid is going to school from home, their whole schooling has changed, but they still need to perform at the level I expected them to perform at before. Yeah, and yeah. so when I saw that enough, I thought to myself, well, that doesn't really, we need to empathize with these kids more because mm. this has been a mess, yeah. right? Yes. And I know in Baltimore, I work in multiple, I have kids that I work with in multiple different school systems. Okay. Baltimore yeah. County had this ransomware attack. Sure, yeah. And it was a, it was a big <laughs> mess. And it was sort of like the teachers were struggling, of course, the kids were struggling. And if we didn't find empathy in those moments, yeah. we missed it, right? We missed the value in the moment and the growth in the moment. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think in you talking about this idea of family and patterns, um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, what's been on the forefront of my mind lately is this, this return to potential return to in-person instruction in the spring for our students. And, you know, if we think about our schools and our classes as families, yeah. you know, um, what patterns have we seen online that we can take back to the classroom? Mm -hmm. And 
I think uh, myself, especially as a teacher, knowing, uh, I guess maybe not to over identify with my students because I have never been a five-year-old that had to learn on a computer, you know, so. Absolutely. Um, and the other piece as teachers that has become so apparent to me is the connections kids feel to their teachers are so strong and intense, mm. but I don't know that teachers feel it because one, this is been an insane amount of work for teachers <laughs> and two there's not the physical connection you're not breathing the same air you're not mm. looking into someone's eyes mm. you know when you look at 20 30 bodies on a computer screen it's very different than being in the space mm -hmm. and i think for teachers the piece that i hope you guys aren't missing mm -hmm. is the fact that you are building great connection and kids are adoring you Oh. even from far away, which is super cool. Yeah, and it's it's just so nice to hear that because I think on a daily basis, you you can lose sight of that, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, maybe that fifth time that you asked a student to unmute or mute yeah. <laughs> or both, um, but you're realizing that, you know, in that effort to just get them, get you to hear them, you know, they're persevering in either answering a question or just sharing their ideas you know, yes. with a group of students and that the confidence it takes to look on a computer screen and mm -hmm. participate in a conversation. Yeah. So, One of the things I hear again and again is how stressful and hard it is to look at yourself on the screen. Mm. And that puts me in a place of remembering that how resilient our kids are oh, yeah. and how, you know, any, any people, anyone who struggles with anxiety, mm could have a struggle with looking at themselves or being distracted, not just people with anxiety, people in general, being distracted by themselves. And we're asking our kids to avoid looking at themselves to learn. It's a cycle. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting because um, then we, you know, I know that again, another issue that can make a learning online difficult is, you know, turning on the video. Yeah. And like why, and not assuming that, uh, students aren't turning on videos because of uh, lack of interest in academics, but potentially for other reasons yes. that you're mentioning. So, so do you and think, more. yeah, I've heard kids who have, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. Keep going. I've heard kids who've not wanted to turn in the, on their cameras because of what's happening in their house and what someone else might see. Mm. I've heard kids not want to turn on the cameras because, um, you know, because of how they look, because of how they perceive themselves, because there's so many reasons that are bigger than, you know, we even know. And our kids who struggle in different ways, some of our kids who are gender diverse, for example, um, tend to really struggle with seeing themselves, but they don't have to do it if they're in person. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Um, and, you know, thinking about that struggle, um, again, just your, your expert prediction here, but um, do you think as we, I don't want to say come out of this time, but move towards a different type of year, uh, do you think we'll come out of it stronger? Do you think it, it, is, it is tearing us down? You know, what are your thoughts on that? I'm eternally optimistic that everything we experience brings us to a better, greater place of understanding and yeah. compassion and connection. And I believe that in this. I think we will all be stronger for it. I think, you know, I think about like my grandparents always had like a stash of toilet paper, right? 
<laughs> they always had like, and my grandfather would like take paper towels from places. Yeah. He, could, he could afford to buy paper towels, but it was, it was ingrained in him from the Great Depression, right? Yeah. And those were things that he lived and experienced. And so, you know, when I think about who are we going to be post this, like, mm. I'm not sure my child will ever exist without an abundance of toilet paper in her house. <laughs> because if you've lived in That's a time, a great you point. get it. Yeah. But at the same time, the resiliency that we're all learning and experiencing from this, mm. are, it has to carry with us. Sure. And so I, I do think our kids are more resilient. We're more resilient. We're more adaptable. Mm. Right? Like, oh, we're going to take school online. Like, you yeah. know, oh, we're going to be out for two weeks. Oh, no, we're out for a year. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I believe in resiliency in every ounce of my being. Yeah, it, it's so great to think about that. And I, it's, it's an interesting point because when you think about resilience, I feel like, like you said, it will just become a natural part of our lives. You know, we might not, our kids might not grow up thinking they're resilient, um, but, but they are, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, it's, it's neat and exciting to think that our kids are growing up potentially stronger than they have ever been. Yeah. No, I think back to one of Brene Brown's podcasts, her guest, and I don't remember which one it was, talked about how mm-hmm. we just don't know what the outcome is going to be, but we know it's going to be different in some way. And one of the things that the guest mentioned was, we may never shake hands again. Mm. We may look at shaking hands like, why would you do that? Why would you put your hand inside someone else's hand covered in germs? <laughs> I'm not <laughs> laughing, but I'm just thinking of no, like, yeah, <laughs> the way you describe it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I watched um, our, our a president-elect, our president tomorrow, and his vice president, uh, you are vice president, um, uh, fist bump and elbow bump. And like, there's just new ways of doing things. Sure that are going to become part of who we are that we don't even know yet, but we're going to be okay. Yeah. And I think back to the beginning of this, uh, when we were strictly limiting hugs, you know, absolutely no kisses. Um, and it, it just, it used to be my favorite part of, you know, seeing, seeing my oldest daughter greet people, you know, like, She just was at this age where like she learned that you can greet someone by giving them a hug. You can show love and peace by giving hugs. Yeah. And it, it really just broke my heart when, you know, we no longer do this. And, mm-hmm. um, but I think I'm really getting to the point where, like you said, it might just become natural that we show love and peace um, in a new way. And, yes. and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay to be sad about not being able to give hugs to, mm-hmm. you know, maybe our teachers or people yeah. we see in public. Um, but I, taking some time to grieve that, I guess, the absence of hugs, but just accepting the new normal. Yeah. Um, like you said, externally, you know, that maybe that's just how we belong. Right yeah. Now. What does evolution look like during this time? We are evolving. Yeah. Yeah. So many great thoughts tonight. I feel like we could probably talk forever about this. Sure. So, so in thinking about, you know, those two, two takeaways you had from the, mm-hmm. from the fall, um, would you be willing to just share a bit how you have changed personally? I know you've, you've mentioned just in general, some, some things that how we've all changed, but yeah. maybe something about your, yourself as a learner and how you've processed that um, and what's changed this year. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me 
it has been kind of this sort of back to basics, like what is most important and valuable? My connection with my kid, my connection with clients, yeah. my connection with family in new ways. And, you know, I think there, for me, there's been this sense of how do I connect with the people that's most important for me to connect to? I have a group of friends that I've been friends with since I was a teenager. Uh, that's a long time. And, um, <laughs> and um, you know, we, we've connected in different ways and we get together, we try to get together once a year. And during this, most, there's one day a week we often connect on Fridays. We almost always sort of text each other. Yeah. And the, those are the Zoom meetings as we've ebbed and flowed that I don't miss. Yeah. Because those connections and sort of the basic, like, who are the people that I need in my life to be the best that I can be? Every strip everything away, right? Uh, these people who've known me forever, these people who are my connectors. Yeah. It's the back to basics. It's the who who is most important and what is most important. Yeah. That's the piece. Just finding new ways to connect with them seems to be a seems to be a theme here, right? Like just yes. figuring out new ways to yeah. um, still feel this sense of belonging and yeah. get make sure our fundamental needs are met. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll also share for me, um, my sister, I'm very close to my sister, and uh, we're bubbled together. Hmm. And when we decided to bubble together, which was a sequence of events that I don't need to get into, but <laughs> when we decided to bubble together, like everything changed. Yeah. And we trust each other and we trust each other's judgment and we, um, you know, being able to, to have a connection with her kids and her connection with my kid and be together, mm. it gave me, again, fundamental, basic mm. connection that I might have gotten in lots of places before, but now I have it in this one way. Yeah, a bit more <laughs> of a connection, I guess, rather than, than multiple connections. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well... I really want to thank you again for sharing your insight. Um, such a fabulous conversation on belonging and just telling us a bit about your own experiences uh, this past year, which I'm sure many of us can relate to. I know I can. Uh, so I want you to take care, stay safe. And yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll talk again soon. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for having me. Your last year. to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.